Welcome to The Daily Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church. I'm Trevor Lovell, one of the pastors here from our Near North location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered our use of this podcast, and instead, we'll be posting a short devotional every day. We hope you'll join us and we'll enjoy listening. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Trevor Lovell. All right, it's good to be with you all. So today we are continuing throughout our Holy Week episodes where each day we're looking at the entirety of the week, the last week of Jesus's life through the lens of one of the people there. And today's, uh, we're actually gonna be exploring the perspective of Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, which isn't a perspective that we think about a whole lot. I don't, I don't think it's something that we're used to considering, but I really do think that there's a benefit for us to do that. And so I wanna start out this time just by reading the passage that this devotional is anchored in right at the top, uh, and then the devotional itself, and then we'll wrap up with some questions to reflect on. So that's where we're going. We've got the passage, the devotional, and then some questions. All right, and so the passage is Matthew chapter 27, verses three through five. Matthew 27, verses three through five. And I'll read that for us now. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. And now the devotional on Judas, which is called Hope's Denial. Here it is. He had spoken too quickly, too aggressively. He could feel that something wasn't quite right in his heart. The thoughts that occupied his mind throughout the day, the things that upset him, they weren't right. Something was off inside and he knew it. But he tried to keep it quiet, tried to smother his impulses and make himself right again. But nothing worked. And a few of the others were starting to get suspicious. He borrowed money from the group's funds, loans he hadn't quite returned yet. Some started asking questions, like they're perfect, he thought. No, he didn't ask for help. He didn't share his struggles. He kept them all to himself, hidden away inside, until he said too much. They were at a party, and this woman broke a flask of perfume, expensive perfume, and poured the entire bottle out on Jesus' feet. What a waste! Why would she do that? Except this time, he didn't manage to contain those thoughts inside. He saw the lavish waste and he blurted it out in front of everyone. He tried to backtrack saying they should have sold it and and helped the poor, but there was no denying it. His heart wasn't right and they all heard it. As he sulked about the rest of the night, bitter about his slip up, the irritation in his chest stretched and grew and got heavier until it was too much to bear. He couldn't take it anymore. He left rushing towards the city He tried to walk off his frustration, but he couldn't shake it. Pacing, he wandered into the city through the streets of Jerusalem and into the place where the chief priests gathered and he offered them to Jesus. He was tired of this way of life, of not being good enough. They paid him well, 30 pieces of silver. And for a little while, he was elated. 
The next day, he felt worse. He fell back in with the group, unable to admit what he'd done. It was the evening of the Passover meal, and all through dinner, he avoided Jesus' eyes. He couldn't even look at him. Until partway through, when Jesus spoke of someone betraying him, he lowered his eyes to the table while his heart banged in his chest. He dipped some bread into the oil and chewed it calmly. Then he could feel someone look at him. He turned. Jesus looked into his eyes and said, what you are going to do, do quickly. And quickly, Judas rose up and left. He knows, he knows what I've done, he thought. In a panic, he fled. Confused, he went to the chief priests, the ones who paid him. As night set in and darkness covered the city with lanterns and torches and swords, he led them into the olive grove, the garden of Gethsemane, where he knew Jesus would be. He led them right to him. They seized Jesus, and as the disciples fled, they carried him off. And still, Judas was confused. Then the gravity of what he'd done dawned on him, like the rising of the sun over some battlefield with spilt blood and gore still wet upon the grass. He saw with clarity that he'd set in motion something horrible. And in a frenzied terror, he rushed back to the high priests. He shoved the bag of silver into their hands. He shouted saying, I've done wrong. I've betrayed innocent blood. This isn't right. Take your money back. With cold indifference, they looked at him and said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. He rushed out, spiraling into madness, losing all hope, nowhere else to turn, nowhere left to go. And he ended it. He ended his own life. He thought his sin was his own burden to bear. And as things progressed and grew worse and unimaginably worse, he lost all hope. He denied hope denied the reality that there was one place left for forgiveness, one place left for grace, one place left for hope. In the life and death of the man he betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Judas's perspective on things, it's, it's an interesting angle for us to consider. And I think one of the most confusing aspects of his story is that Jesus actually chose him, that, that Jesus chose him as one of his disciples. The Bible tells us that there was a night where Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray and he prayed throughout the entirety of the night. And when he came down, what he did was he, he chose from amongst all of his disciples, he chose 12 of them uh, really to do ministry with him and to walk alongside of him and to spend several years really closely together. And among those 12 was Judas. And so throughout the entirety of that time that they walked together, that they did ministry together, Jesus always knew that Judas was going to betray him. And yet still he chose him and still he loved him. All right? and, and there's other pieces of Judas's story that can be confusing too. And, and there's some aspects that are a little bit hard to know. Right? It's hard to tell if he was open about his flaws with others, that we see that he was attracted to money and that it even caused him to, uh, to, to be a thief, that he stole things, he stole money from the group. Uh, we don't know if he was open about those things, but from John's gospel, we do see that the others knew about it. Right? We see that John himself seemed to have understood those things, that he could kind of see through Judas and he understood the motives that Judas might've kept hidden from the rest. 
And why I bring that up is because the truth is none of us are perfect, right? That, that we can kind of villainize Judas, but the truth is we all have flaws just like him. The question isn't that. The question is, do we have people in our life we can talk to about it? Do we have people in our life like John who can see when we're off and who can call us on it and that we've invited into our struggles? Do we have people like that who are walking with us in the midst of our flaws? Because the truth is that's something that we all need. We all need somebody that we can turn to, somebody we can trust, somebody who knows us. And if you don't have that, I think your first move is actually just to pray and to ask God to bring you somebody like that, right? to bring you that kind of a relationship, that kind of a friend, someone you can trust, you can share your flaws and your struggles with, somebody who knows you. Because sometimes what can happen to us when we don't have that is that we can end up in places where we think we've gone too far. We think we've done too much, that God could never forgive us for what we did. And it seems like that's where Judas ended up. And he felt like he didn't have anywhere else to turn. But the truth is we always have somewhere to turn. We always have somewhere to go to for grace and for forgiveness and for hope. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the one we can turn to. And having somebody in our life who knows our struggles, who knows our flaws and can remind us of that truth, that there's always grace for us in Christ, that's something we all need. We need someone who can point us to the hope we have in Christ. And I just wanna say that if you're listening and you're in a place like Judas was, let me just say to you, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. You just gotta turn to him. You've gotta give yourself to him. And he's got plenty of grace for you. He's got plenty of forgiveness to go around. And whatever the thing is that's holding you back, that you think is so bad, that you think is so terrible that he won't forgive you. The truth is he already has, that he paid for it on the cross. He's not holding on to it. And so you don't need to either. And instead, you gotta walk in grace. You gotta walk in what Jesus does have for you. Walk in forgiveness and walk in hope. That's what it means to walk with Jesus. And I hope you'll do that. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're doing well. We'll be back tomorrow with another short devotional. So stay tuned.